Thank you for joining us today on our Eastside Church podcast. Today, Pastor Alex Barefoot will bring our message. Let's listen in. James chapter 5. I told first service that I'm preaching to the choir here because I am an opinionated, mouthy individual. Don't, no, I don't want to get amens on that. Now, that was, not a, that was not a place for an amen. So this particular message obviously is for those of us who um, have strong opinions and vocalize them. Um, but at the same time, uh, I think it, 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 uh, it encourages us to, uh, that we have the potential to be light bearers in a, in a generation that needs it. So um, if you've got your Bibles open to chapter 5, I'll, I'll, as, you, as you're doing that, turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I want to read to you. We're, we're talking about, remember, the, uh, James, the brother of Jesus. JP preached on it last week when he talked about the sibling rivalry and the difficulty it might have been for James to have a perfect older brother. Makes me understand how my brother has felt over the years. <laughs> That's funny there. I hope he listens. <laughs> and uh you know, we're, we're, we're talking about a letter. We're not talking about chapter and verse. We're talking about this, this, this guy who really didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was until, until the resurrection. And Jesus says, you go tell James. And then James gets the word that Jesus has raised from the dead. And obviously, he's part of the 500 witnesses. And he goes on and, and he writes the book of James. And he talks to us. And remember that the whole topic is, count on all joy, brethren, when you fall into various trials because the testing of your faith produces endurance or steadfastness or faithfulness. It says, and when that has done its perfect work, it, you'll, be, you'll be complete, lacking nothing. You'll be like Christ. In other words, this whole process is for you to become more like Christ. And he's saying to us that if we really have faith, that we're going to be in process to produce works. And he's saying that works and faith go together. And uh, that endurance in that faith is what pays off. And he's not going to stop that once we get to James chapter 5. But in, 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 in John chapter 15 verse 5, I just want to give you what, what uh, John said. Excuse me, uh, Paul, Romans chapter 15 verse 5. Uh, I messed you up. I messed me up. So go to Romans chapter 5. This is Paul, Romans chapter 15 verse 5. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. There's a like-mindedness and unity that, that James is encouraging in the church that should go on. And that like-mindedness should be according to Christ Jesus. In other words, you should be becoming complete. You should be being transformed. You should be submitted to a process that you may be with one mind and one mouth. Everybody say one mouth. One mouth. Glorifying the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we look at James, he is very concerned about how we respond to people how we respond to people, and that our works and our faith go together. Now, I want to go to John chapter 3, 
verse 16, which we are very familiar with, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we've got this, this thought process of salvation that comes, and Jesus is our righteousness, and that is all true. But we've got this ideology or this theology toward God that is at work in the church that says, he did it all, you can do nothing, and that's really, that's really a false gospel. Because what James is saying and what, and, and, and what John is saying and what uh, Paul was saying is that, that your works matter. In other words, if you come into faith in Christ, you're going to act different. There's going to be behavior modification. You remember as we go through 1, 2, 3, and 4, as we've gone through that, he's saying, you know, you, right now you've got partiality and you've got this and you've got that toward people and this shouldn't be. Well, he's not going to change that with, with, with chapter 5 as we go on. But let's, let's flip on through and let's look, let's look at verse 20. Uh, For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Now, this is John 3.20. This is right after that. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they may be done in God. And so even with the most, most uh, popular verse when it comes to coming to Jesus Christ, you can't separate the, the idea that, that your deeds matter. You know, praise the Lord, we're not going to be judged by our works as far as whether we're saved or not. You know, Jesus did it. We accept Jesus. We believe in him. We, we, we are saved. He is our righteousness. But our reward comes from our works. He says, we'll be rewarded in heaven for your works. That's how they're intertwined. You, you can't uh, work your way into heaven, but you can work your way into rewards. It's interesting, isn't it? And so, and so now that we go to James, every aspect of James, what I really want us to see is that every aspect of James, even this, this, this healing Verse, you know, when everybody says James chapter 5, everybody thinks about this verse about if you're sick, come, come, let, let the elders lay hands on them and, the, and, 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 they'll, be, and they'll be saved. I, I, I love that verse. It's, it's quoted all the time. But if we, it, one of the things that the Lord's done with me this week is he, he's, he's let me know and, and let me see that all of these practices, all these things that he's, that he's talking about, is how we deal with other people. It's all about how we deal with other people. So even this prayer of faith that brings healing, it's all about community and relationship. It's in the context of how you deal with people and what is intended for the church. So as we look at it, let's, let's go with that perspective, continuing on that perspective as we look at chapter 5. Verse 1 says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming, coming upon you. Now let me just say this. Is God opposed to the rich? The answer is no. Let me ask you this. Does God want you to prosper? Does he want people to prosper? Or does he want them to struggle? You think he might want them to prosper? It gets me when people make fun of the prosperity gospel, quote, unquote, as if God is a God of poverty. 
God says we won't have any lack. We come to him, we won't have lack. He, he's not a God that, that, that says, so he's not condemning the rich, but what he's condemning, if you'll see in just a moment, he's condemning employers who are getting rich by taking advantage of people. What he's, what he's about to get into, it says, it matters how you're dealing with people, even if you're an employer. Now, there, I hope there's employers in the house so I can, so I can take care of that, uh, make sure that you're taking care of your people. I know that there are. There's a lot of us in, in the room. Um, but one thing I want to say, and I don't have time to teach this, but I'm going to just say just a little sentence, and that is the creative image of God is expressed in the church through work. Your work expresses your creative image of God. You should be released to be creative in your work. And God designed you to be creative in your work. And, he, and, 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 and so we express that image of God in our work. But he also designed work to be his avenue of provision for families. It's always in the economics of God to use employers to bring prosperity to families. And so what he's dealing with here, just like he was dealing with you're showing partiality and this shouldn't be, he's saying you employers aren't treating your people good and God's hearing about it and you need to be weeping because the works that you're producing are going to be judged based on how well you're doing them like God wants you to. That's what he's expressing. So he's saying, he's saying, you weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your sil silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of your laborers who, you, who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, fraud cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord, the Sabbath. So what's he saying? He's saying, your actions aren't good. You're not treating people well. And so, and so he's staying on this topic about what the church should look like and how the church should look different. How we treat people is the main thing, and we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. You know, we've talked about this. Je Jesus said it this way. He said, when asked what is the greatest commandment, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Every commandment hinges on how you deal with God and how you deal with people. Everything about the kingdom deals on those two things. James is on that subject. He's, he's pointing out different aspects of the church that don't align themselves with the nature and the character of God. And he's saying, people, this shouldn't be. And so he said, goes on to say, you have lived on earth, on the earth in pleasure and luxury you have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Yeah. 
There's a reason that there is therefore is therefore. He's talking about everything he just said, right? Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. So now he's talking about the worker. Now he kind of just switched and said, employers, okay, okay, guys, those of you who have been taken advantage of in the church, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the earthly and latter rain. You also be patient, endure, be steadfast, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. In other words, don't grow weary in doing well. Don't, don't, don't lose your faith. Don't change your position. Don't change your behavior based on what you see going on around you, regardless of whether somebody is taking advantage of you. I can remember a couple of stories as they come to mind here. Uh, one of them is the story of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, you remember, Mary's the one that was at Jesus' feet worshiping in the first service. We actually did that song. I don't think we did it in the second service. But they come, out at, they come out to Jesus and they say, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You remember that? You know the story? If you've only been here, Lord, you had you know, our, 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 the church or America or, or, or the church in America seems to be saying to the Lord, Lord, if you'd only been here in 2020, if you'd only been here in 2020, this wouldn't have happened. Well, let me tell you, this is addressing this. He's saying, in the midst of your circumstances, endure and be patient because you serve the God of endurance. And, 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 he's, and he's about to just bring all this alive to you and me as we, as we see the be patient, brethren. The Lord is, is, is on the move. He says, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge, capital J, is standing at the door. Jesus is standing at the door. Now, what's important about us understanding this, this standing position is, is that th there's only twice after the resurrection that Jesus has ever talked about standing. This is one of them. The, the other one is, uh, well, in Revelation 2, but the other one is, in the, uh, is where Stephen's being stoned in Acts, right? And he says, I see the Lord standing. You know, he said, attention. What does it mean? It means that he, he, you've got his attention. It's almost like, you know, there's a place in Scripture where he talks about he's leaning forward. You know, I'm, leaning, I'm paying attention. I've got you. I see what's going on. He says, you be patient. You stay firm. You endure in the midst of your circumstances because the Lord is standing there and he's got you. He's looking at you. He's got your, he's got your back. He sees what you're going through and, and he's going to move. He's standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. So then James begins to compare you and me to prophets. And he said, look at what they had to endure and look at the patience they expressed, but look what God did in their life. And why is he saying that? Why is he saying that to you and me? Why is he writing that in this book? He's writing that to encourage you no matter where you are in your life, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, no matter uh, how you've fallen into whatever trial you might be 
uh, dealing with, enduring right now. He said, be patient, stand forward. Compare yourself in that patience to the prophets who patiently had faith and their actions showed their faith and they watched the hand of God move. And then he's about to even express that with Job of all people who lost his whole, everything that he owned and his whole family, all of his kids. He loses them all, but then the Lord restored tenfold. So even in that, patiently enduring that hardship, that's a lot harder than a pandemic. A pandemic, it's just, it's just much more to endure. You lose your whole family, all your children, and he says, he says, establish your hearts. Don't grumble. Look at the prophets as an example of suffering and patience, suffering and endurance. Indeed, we can be blessed who endure. Indeed, we encounter, we count them blessed. Exceedingly happy is what blessed means. So, indeed, we count those people in the Old Testament, the prophets, exceedingly happy who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. What James is doing is he's writing to you and me and said, hey, listen, faith causes you to endure and be steadfast, and when that's done its work, you're going to be like Jesus. Now, remember all this stuff and remember the characteristics of God. He is compassionate and he's merciful, and he's going to be that way to you and me. But above all, my brethren, don't swear either by heaven or by earth or any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. I love this passage. I swear, I swear if, if, if they do that again, if she does that again, if he does that again, I tell you what I'm going to do. Y'all ain't never said that, have you? If they do that one more time, I swear. <laughs> What's he doing? He's pointing out behavior. And he's saying that the church shouldn't respond that way. Now, when I'm talking about this and when I'm preaching this, I'm saying, do not grumble against one another. What we're about to read is, is that we're about to read that the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, accomplishes a lot. And right here, he's saying, don't grumble. So obviously, we're about to compare fervent prayer with grumbling. So it doesn't say the grumbling of a saint accomplishes much. It doesn't say the complaining and the and the, uh, and, and, and the dissatisfaction with the current state of affairs, verbalized, availeth much. It doesn't say negativity availeth much. It doesn't say criticism availeth much. What it says is, stop, don't grumble. But pray, have faith. The Lord is standing. He's got you covered. He sees you. He's not, he, he's not asleep. He's not asleep. He's perfectly good.
Is anyone, and then he goes on. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray instead of grumbling. Are you suffering emotionally? I mean, what, are you, are you tired? Do you think people have lost their minds? Don't grumble. Pray. Don't grumble. Pray. There's a, there's a behavior modification that James is dealing with. Now listen to this. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now I love this passage of Scripture because we talk about it a lot, especially in charismatic circles. But what I want you to understand is that we have just read that those who draw near to God, he draw near to them. We've just read that if you resist the devil, he'll flee with you. That's that's last chapter, James chapter 4. We'll, if we'll submit to God, if we'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. If we'll submit to him, he'll be found. We also read, you have not because you don't ask. We just read this in James. But when you do ask, you ask amiss because you're asking with selfish ambition. And, and so what, he, what he's saying here is your posture and position before God isn't accurate to, 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 to reap what needs to, be, what needs to be gotten. You're not in the right position. You've got to get in the right position, church. This shouldn't be. You know, I'm reminded of Gideon when he's in the cage. He says, where are all the miracles that we hear about? You know, I hear people in the church all the time. They're saying all this stuff about where's the miracles, where's the miracles, where's the miracles, when we start talking about God. And I, this is what I think. I think God is saying, hey, you're, 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 you have not because you ask not. And then when you ask, you're asking for selfish ambition. And he's not saying, now I want all the elders to go out and pray for everybody they can. That's not what he's saying. Watch this. He said, in the atmosphere of love and community, those that are sick, you come to the elders. You initiate the prayer. You draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So oftentimes people resist getting prayed for. And the reason they're not healed is because they resist getting prayed for. Instead of actually believing that in community and the way God designed the church to work, and that is transparency and community, we're going to see that as we go forward, that it is our responsibility to draw near to God. And in that responsibility, he says, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I'll be there. James is saying to you and me, all this stuff matters. And he's comparing this patience with Job. And he's comparing the, the endurance that he had to endure. He's not eliminating. He's not saying, if you follow Jesus, you're not going to have to endure anything hard. He's saying, you're going to have to endure hard stuff. But don't lose your faith. Stay steadfast. Hang in there. Jesus is standing there. He's at the door. He's about to do something big in your life. You just got to do what the prophets did. And they knew that God was compassionate and merciful, and he was on their sides. He's never going to leave you or forsake you, and it's true today. James is trying to get our attention and say what was true then is true now, and you're going to see that even more. He says, is anyone sick? Let him call my elders of the church. Let them come. 
and they'll lay, uh, they'll anoint him with oil, which is, which is representation of the Holy Spirit. Why do I know that? I know that because they'll, they'll anoint him in the name of the Lord. And then it says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord is the one who will raise him up. It's not the elder that raises him up. It's not the prayer that raises him up. It's the representation of the Holy Spirit on the believer, anointing of the oil. And the Lord does the work. I was reminded there's a Catholic priest that was had a healing ministry and it, it's the thing that stuck in my mind the most you might have heard me tell the story before but he, he he tells the story he's at a healing conference had thousands of people there and and they and they and they were praying for the sick it was all about healing they pray for the sick at the end and everybody's bringing people up and this friend had a guy in a wheelchair had a big cancer on the side of his his name was francis mcnutt have you ever heard of francis mcnutt he's He's, I don't know if he's even still living now. But anyhow, I had this big cancer on the side of his face. And said so they prayed for the guy. The guy didn't get healed. And then after the conference and after the big gathering, they sent the women to one room and the men went to the basement. And they went to the basement and the friend of this guy brings the guy in a wheelchair, has a big cancer on the side of his face. They pray for him again and he doesn't get healed. And he said he had been, he'd been ministering for about seven or eight hours all day long. Uh, and he was worn out and he was flying home. And he was walking through the airport and he was thinking in his mind, I'm going to get me a, something to eat real quick before I get on the plane. And he looked up as he was going to the restaurant. Here comes that friend pushing that guy in that wheelchair. And he went to, in his, in his heart, and his, his story, not mine, I went, oh, no. I went, oh, no. The fastest way for me to get to the restaurant and on the plane is just to pray for this guy, not to argue with him. I've already prayed for him twice, so that's what I'm going to do. And said so the guy walked up, and Francis laid, just laid his hands on him, prayed for him. He said he watched the cancer disappear on the side of his face. And he heard the voice of the Lord say, See, Francis, it's me that does it, not you. It's me that does it, not you. And James is saying here, man, if we'll position ourselves right, if we'll position ourselves like the prophets, if we'll endure, if we'll stay steadfast, if we'll know that God is compassionate and merciful and he's standing there and he's waiting to move on our behalf. Count on all joy when you fall into trials because the testing of your faith produces endurance and we serve an enduring God. And we've got to stand there. And then... And then, it's like, that's not enough. He says, confess your trespasses to one another. That means we got to be vulnerable. That means that we got to live in community, and we gotta, we got to live vulnerable in front of each other, and we got to pray for each other so that we're healed. The reason that people aren't healed today is we're scared to tell each other about our problems. We're tell, scared to, you know, sin is such a big word. I mean, and it's got so much shame on it. But all it is is it's missing the mark. This area right here, I'm just not like Christ yet. I'm in process. I've, I've submitted myself to the process, but, but, I, but I'm not complete. I'm not perfect. I've missed the mark. I need you to pray for me here. If we're not doing that, then we're not doing what, what the church is supposed to do. And what James is saying, listen to what he says. He says, the reason 
that you're not getting what you're asking for or what you want is because you're not asking. And then when you ask, you're only asking out of, uh, selfishly. You're not even listening and waiting on God to give you what to ask for and asking for that. You're just asking for what you want. You're trying to tell God what to do instead of for asking God what. See, get yourself positioned pro properly because Jesus is standing. He's there. He's not absent. He's with you. He's at the door of this thing that you're dealing with, ready to be compassionate and merciful. And then he compares it, listen, y'all, listen, to Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like yours. See, I love this because there's theology out there and there's church teaching that says when the apostles ceased, when they died, that miracles stopped. They call that cessationalist. They believe that miracles stopped then. But I just want you to know that James, who God ordained to write the book of James, the letter to the church, and, and I, I just want you to believe with me that, that God had the foresight to know that we'd be reading this in 2020. Matter of fact, it wasn't until the 1500s that we even had a Bible. So God with the foresight to know that we would, he's talking to you and me, and he says, Elijah had a spirit like yours. Elijah had a spirit like mine. He was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and heaven gave rain and earth to produce fruit. He gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns the sinner from the error of this way will save a soul. From death and cover a multitude of sin. Listen, he, James just compared you to Elijah. Now, I want you to understand what this means if we'll get our position right with God. This is so big to me. Listen, he says, he says Elijah had a nature like you. Right? He had a nature like you and me. And he prayed, and it didn't rain for three years. Well, let me tell you what Elijah did, and this is, not, this is not a complete list. This is not an exhaustive list. Elijah, the Lord says, pray this thing that it's not going to rain. He says, I'm going to bring the ravens to you. You go stay at this brook, this stream. That's where you're going to get water. I'm going to let the birds bring you food. So the birds bring, brings him food, and then the, then the brook dries up. So I want you to go to this widow's house. So it goes to the widow's house. And the widow's house, if you know the scriptures, is the one where she had a little bit of oil and a little bit of bread. And she said, let me go cook what I got, and then we'll die. And then she gets all those jars and containers, and they fill up. And they bring provision for her until the drought's over. Right? That happens. And then the boy, a boy dies. And Elijah lays on the boy and raises him from the dead. And then he's on Mount Carmel. And 400 prophets of Baal are slayed. This Elijah, did you have the same nature as? He prayed. And the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You have that same nature. James is comparing the church's potential 
with Elijah. Where are we missing it? We miss it because we don't ask or we ask amiss. And God is saying, church, faith, and works go together. Jesus said this, love your enemies. I tell you the truth. If you only love those who love you, even the ones who don't know me can do that. So don't grumble about Trump. Don't grumble about Pelosi. Don't swear. If those dummies don't do da-da-da-da-da, James is challenging our behavior severely. And he's wanting the church to make a difference. There's only one hope for our nation, and that's the church of Jesus Christ. And it's whether or not we will change our behavior or whether we're going to continue to act like the world. And the truth of the matter is, Instead of being community, like this is pointing out, being transparent, having each other pray for one another so that in that process we can be made complete, we're scared to even ask anybody to pray because we're scared to admit any of our faults. We're not even anywhere close to that, uh, that transparency. Instead, what we go is we go to the theater and call it church on Sunday morning where we watch a show and a preacher do his deal when God only intended the church to be community so that we can pray for one another and be healed. He says, if you, uh, if you confess your sin to one another and if you pray, he didn't say come to the preacher. He didn't say come to the elder. He said, if you're in community praying for one another, you will be healed. It's the condition of the church that James is addressing. And I'm telling you, I believe that we probably need an overhaul in the condition of the church in America like never before. Now, the only thing that we can do anything about is Eastside Community Church. It's the only thing that we can do anything about. We can take James's letter to the church, and we can let it change us. And we're going to get to practice next week. And I would recommend not listening to conservative radio. Because it's just going to make you mad. And then you're going to swear, and your yes isn't going to be yes. And then you're going to say, if those people keep doing that, then I'm going to. You know, there's nothing wrong with having opinions. There's very much wrong with our behavior from that opinion. And where we think our help is coming from. You remember James said in 4, don't say I'm going to go do business here and there and make a profit. He said, if the Lord wills. The Lord is standing looking at the United States of America. He's standing looking at the church and its behavior. And he wants to move. But the church has to draw near to God so that he can draw near to them.
And if we're only willing to acknowledge God and not submit to him, never expect change. God is looking for submission. He's looking for unity. James said it so that we could be unified in our doing and our talking. That when we talk, it sounds like God. And I just want you to know this is much more of a challenge for me than it is for you. But it's the Word of God. And I'm wanting to change a nation, I'm wanting to change a culture. And so I know I can pray and I can change my behavior. I'm not responsible for anybody else. I'm just responsible for me. I can't change Liz. I can't change Nathan. I can't change Brittany. I can't change my grandchildren. I can model Christ's likeness. This behavior, brother, shouldn't be so in the church. That's what James says. Shouldn't be so. Looks like the world. Let us be different from the world. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co.